Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. This week, Todd and Amy interview famous author, blogger, pastor, professor, and all-around man's man, Dr. Carl Truman. His recent book on Martin Luther gives the crew another excuse to talk about the famous reformer. Don't forget to stick around to hear how you can download a free message by Carl Truman. We are beggars. Luther's famous last words. Well, thank you for joining us today on Mortification of Spin Bully Pulpit. And unfortunately, uh, the much-beloved Carl Truman is on tour right now, or as you might know him, Rev Master T, is on tour right now through Australia. Lecrae is opening for him in his current tour and uh, doing what he does best, his art, his hip-hop, his rap. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can feel it. Uh, Carl's got the rhythm. He, 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 He does this so masterfully, as you all will hopefully hear a little bit later in the program. But we do have something very special. We have a guest author with us who has written a new book called Luther on the Christian Life. It's a wonderful series from Crossway. Uh, incidentally, my contribution to that series will be coming out soon. It's called Osteen on the Christian Life. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um, Amy, I believe, is pinning one called Joyce Meyer on the Christian Life uh, that will come out soon. And uh, just featuring some of the great thinkers um, in uh, in Christian history, uh, but uh, our uh, our our author interview today is uh, something we've been looking forward to. It's a book we've been looking forward to. Learn some more things about uh, Martin Luther, and particularly in his uh, writings about uh, the Christian life. And uh, the author is Carl Truman. He's with us here. And uh, Carl, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. It's great to be on the program. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed that the the witty, intelligent, and good-looking one isn't available today, but I'm very happy to be interviewed by you two also, Rance. <laughs> well, we're just glad we- to share a platform with you. I mean, that's yes, what matters yes. to us. We really needed to replace him with another token British guy, so we were glad to find you. Right. And that you, you have this new book out that we can talk about, mm-hmm. Luther mm-hmm. on the Christian Life. Yeah. And I really like in this new series that, um, well, I guess it's not new anymore that Crossways put out with these different theologians on the Christian life, because I think that it's really good for lay people. There's so many good biographies on different theologians, but um, particularly Luther's, I think, really serves lay people well to just learn what what their how their theology affects their thoughts on regular people living the Christian life. And that's one of the things I enjoy about this series is that. Uh, it's really intentionally uh, written on a popular level. It's it's written for right. the church, not for the academy, and I really appreciate this because it, it they're they're pastoral in many ways. The volumes I've read have all been really helpful, and um, as much as I would like to really be cruel to Carl Truman right now, um, I must say I'm actually really looking forward to this, and I was glad that he uh, contributed a volume. Now we must say up front that Amy and I have not received our complimentary. Uh, copies of the book yet. Um, I, I'm personally, I, I'm waiting for want. I, I want Michael Horton actually to sign my copy of Luke on the Christian Life. Um, so we'll see if we can make that happen. Um, well, it's interesting you bring Michael Horton up because in an is, interview we did with him, yep. yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Well, in an interview that we did with him, Carl asked Michael Horton in our little game show question yes. that we did 
who he preferred, um, Luther or Calvin. He had to pick one, and and Horton picked Calvin. Mm -hmm. And Carl disagreed, and he picked Luther. And he said because Luther's more fun. Yeah, yeah. So Luther had a more foul foul mouth, which makes him more fun. And I think think that's why Carl identifies with him so well. Um, Well, Luther's sense of humor really did serve his theology. In your book, you talk a lot about that, Carl, right? Yeah, I, I thought you were actually not going to bother interviewing me for a minute there. <laughs> well, actually, Carl, Carl, what we'd like you to do is any questions we ask you, we'd like you to answer it with a rap. Oh, <laughs> if you could work that out, that would be great. Yeah, I'll I'll do my best. Okay. No, Luther had a great sense of humor, and I think it actually has theological significance. Luther understood there was a certain absurdity to the nature of life as a finite human being in a fallen world standing before the holy and infinite God. We have so many pretensions, we have so many ambitions, we have so many many high opinions of ourselves that actually look ridiculous when set in the context of eternity, in the context of God himself. The Lord looks down upon us and laughs at our pretensions. And that is a theme that flavors much of, of Luther's theology. And, and so thus uh, his, his ease at um, uh, referencing bodily functions, for instance. Yeah, well, of course, Luther was a peasant mm-hmm. uh, and was very proud of his peasant roots. And part of being a peasant is having an earthy sense of humor and an earthy <laughs> right. vocabulary. Yeah. He spoke the language of the common people to the common people. So that's another aspect of, of Luther's overall approach to communicating Christian truth in his day. Yeah. Well, one, one question I thought about actually is, so Carl, you've already written a lot about Luther. You, you've got a book out there that costs like $380 on Luther. It's really thick and um, I've never gotten a copy because I can't afford it. But I, I, I did want to say this since, since you've, since you've written some, some scholarly material, quite a bit of scholarly material on Luther, as you approach this book, did, did you, did you find anything new? Was there anything that surprised you as you were writing this one? Yes, I think one of the things that I became convinced of in writing this book was that the the later Luther from sort of 1527 onwards is very, very important for understanding Luther's theology. Most evangelicals focus on the Luther of between, say, 1517, when he posts the 95 Theses Against Indulgences, up to 1525, when he writes his response to Erasmus on, on the bondage of the will. But actually, the, the consolidation of the Lutheran Reformation takes place from the late 1520s onwards. That's when Luther is wrestling with problems that are either unresolved or have even been generated by some of his early reforming impulses and ideas. So I, I became convinced that, particularly on something like the issue of, of good works and ethics, the later Luther is very, very significant for uh, understanding his theology and indeed Protestant theology that stems from Luther. What, what would be the, the, the primary contributing factor or factors to, to, to making the later Luther different from the earlier Luther? Well, Luther in his early career has a supreme confidence that the world is going to come to an end. He's really a, a late medieval man. He, he has that eschatological expectation that the world is coming to an end, that the Reformation is the great revival at the end of history. 
1522, for example, he's very confident that if you just preach, if you just preach the word, everything will fall into place. By the time you get to the late 1520s, it's becoming obvious that the Reformation is suffering setbacks, that there is a need for organization over the long haul. Men need to be trained for ministry. Schools need to be established. There needs to be a lot of thinking about how the teaching on justification by grace through faith works itself out in the day-to-day lives of ordinary parishioners. So Luther engages in a lot more what we might call practical thinking, both ecclesiastically and and ethically, after 1527. Okay. One thing Very pertinent, I think, for the way that Luther has been appropriated by some of the characters out there today. Right. You know, we've mentioned, I think, right. Tully and Chuvigin on this program before. You know, these are people who grab hold of sound bites of the early Luther right. and really distort his teaching because they are pretty ignorant of, of Luther's later developments right. and produce very naive and lopsided historical and theological portraits of the man that I think are frankly mischievous yeah. in the way that's being worked out practically in some churches today. Right, right. that Luther had no use for the law, for yeah, example, that kind yeah. of thing. or, or, or no, no doctrine at all of sanctification. Yeah, and... So often when certain people talk about, you know, you need to preach the law and the gospel, all they really do is preach the gospel. Right. Luther has some pretty harsh things to say about that from 1527 onwards, that if you just preach grace, if you just preach the gospel, guess what? To quote Luther, the people will live like pigs. Mm. And Luther found that completely unacceptable and unchristian. Well, um, you know, one, one area that you kind of, I think push back at is how we tend to look at Luther through contemporary evangelical eyes. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about there too. And in some ways I was doing that when I was reading it, I was thinking about how well Luther answers um, the question that I think a lot of us have now, even though we look at him wrong in this way sometimes, a lot of times we struggle with, well, should we be revolutionary Christians? And a lot of times we look at Luther that way, or should we be regular in, in this big word ordinary that we like to use a lot now? But I think Luther answers that in a lot of ways because um, he's revolutionary, but it's through this obedience to scripture. I mean, he's not trying to be revolutionary. Yeah, and he's very, his the, his theology is, is revolutionary in the sense that it, it, it turns on its head a lot of medieval thinking, particularly in right. the, the relationship of, of faith and works. Uh, but he's also a, a very pastorally sensitive and, in, in a sense, conservative reformer. So, for example, he's already making his appeal for a vernacular liturgy in 1520 in Wittenberg. But it's actually 1525 before he implements a full vernacular liturgy. Uh, one, he wants to get the words right. Two, interesting enough, he wants to get the music right. He wants German music to accompany German words. And three, he doesn't want to disturb people. He's aware that people don't like change. And although there is a need to bring in this very dramatic change, introducing vernacular liturgy, he does it slowly and gently so that he brings people on not exactly at their own pace, he's pushing them, but he doesn't just go straight in and say, okay, tomorrow we're getting rid of the Latin and we're having a full German uh, liturgy. He's very sensitive mm-hmm. to, to people in the pew. I think there's a great lesson there for guys going into the ministry. 
you know, right. I've, I've heard it said, don't change anything unless the un, un, unless the thing is heretical. Mm-hmm. Change nothing for five years yeah. when you when you go into a church. Build personal capital. Get to know the people. You know, Luther probably never heard anyone say that, but it's interesting that that's precisely the model he follows mm-hmm. with great success. I think Luther as a as a pastor is a man of of great pastoral care and sensitivity. He's ruthless in the way he deals with his clever opponents mm-hmm. who need to be dealt with ruthlessly. He is kind and gentle and sensitive with the congregants that the Lord has placed under his care. Mm. That's a great lesson uh, for pastors. That's a great lesson. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, um, I, I'm looking forward to reading the book as much as it pains me to say. I actually have full confidence that uh, that this is going to be a book well worth reading. Um, I actually, uh, again, man, why is this so hard for me to say this about you, Carl? I really like it. It's reading. an excellent book. Give them credit where credit's <laughs> hold it, hold it now. Come on. Now, now see, and this, this, uh, this is kind of, I'm going to let our listeners in to, to a little bit of inside baseball here. I, I think you can tell that <laughs> so we've got three hosts here, uh, Carl Truman or Rev Master T. We we have Amy Bird, the housewife <laughs> theologian, and then we have just lowly Todd. Now it's clear that Amy has read a copy of this book. I haven't seen a copy yet. Carl, would you like well, to explain yourself? Yes, I I would. I thought that I need I needed to get some commendations, and I knew that Amy's name on the cover would sell some books. And I knew that your name on the cover would put people off. <laughs> so, so, we can find it Todd Pruitt. I just I think people who are interesting and attractive to puff my books. Uh, Todd, if you wish to change the habits of a lifetime, call me when my next book comes out. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> and see, Carl, it's that attitude, which is why I'm not having you endorse my book, Osteen on the Christian Life. So you had your chance, pal. You had that your is a sh- that, that has got to your be a very short book, though. <laughs> hey, it's you writing it. We're talking about Joe Lusty on the Christian Life. <laughs> well, um, anyway, I, with all of that said, and despite the fact that I'm struggling with bitterness, I am looking forward to receiving my copyright along with the rest of the nobodies out there and uh, and reading my just general released copy. Um, but I will look well, forward to I will look forward to the kids' edition and the women's devotional edition of Luther on the Christian Life as well, um, and, and the True Tone cover the, copy. I, I will always remember the little people like you. Have, <laughs> Appreciate that. We help you put. We help put you up there. Never heard um, God be called a little person before, but yeah, yeah. So once once the book is released to the general public, which I am apparently just a member of, uh, we will look forward to reading it. It's a terrific series. I I am quite sure this will be a terrific addition to that series. And um, until then, listen, I would encourage you to uh, uh, to discover uh, the great music stylings of Carl Truman as well. Uh, he's a tremendous hip-hop artist. As I said, uh, Lecrae is That's currently opening for him right now in his Australian tour. And uh, what I like about Carl's hip-hop is it's got an edge to it. He's not afraid to use profanity. And so um, we uh, we look forward to that. Uh, for uh, for my friends Carl and Amy, we are signing off from Mortification Spin. Look forward to talking to you all next time. I'm a legend among five-year-old rappers in Australia. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, games think the Trinity. Yeah. The Trinity. Yeah. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, games. the Trinity. The Trinity. The Trinity. Yeah. 
Every time I think of the three, my mind is drawn, drawn, drawn to the one. One. And every time I think of the one, my mind is drawn to, drawn to the three. three. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. Visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, to find a free download of We Are Beggars, Luther's Famous Last Words by Carl Truman. While you're there, read more of the host's thoughts posted on the blog. If you want more Mortification of Spin, you can find our entire archive on the podcast tab of our site, going all the way back to episode one. Come back next week and join Carl, Todd, and Amy as they inaugurate only the second honorary man. I want to take uh, your minds back to an event of roughly 12 months ago when regular listeners will remember that we conferred a singular great honor upon Mrs. Amy Bird when she joined the show and we actually elected her as an honorary guy. Well, only for the second time in recorded history are we going to do that today. It's a moment that will live in infamy. You won't want to miss it. We'll see you then. That is on a children's gospel album in Australia. Come on now. <laughs> I kid you not. What? When the guy, I, uh, when the guy <laughs> said it to me, I nearly dropped off. I, I nearly dropped off this mortal sphere. <laughs> we, we've, we've got to have that. How oh. have we not had this yet? <laughs> I only allowed them to do it if they gave me a pseudonym. So I'm actually listed as Rev Master T. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the if you look at the liner notes, Rev Master T appears courtesy of Carl Truman Enterprises. That is hilarious. I love it. Oh okay. dear.